As an educator, you want what's best for your students. You want them to succeed academically and emotionally. But how do you do it? For some reason in education, we get real pushback when we try to think differently. We make everything work, and we have to understand there's going to have to be some sacrifice. So we adjust time based on student learning. And when you have that all day long in your schedule, you know, you're going to be excited to get up in the morning. From creative instructional practices to school models and ideas big and small, Reimagining Time is a podcast that will tell the stories of real educators like you and how they've used their imagination to transform their schools and enrich students' lives. And so in school, schools that operate as PLCs, they, they understand that. They understand that learning is the constant and Time is the variable that we adjust to make sure that we get to kids uh, learning. PLCs. PLC stands for Professional Learning Community, and to many, it might also be yet another fancy name given to school staff meetings that some teachers may feel undermine their ability to give their best to students. But is that all a PLC really is? Just another staff meeting? Many times schools think of PLCs as a team <laughs> or a time, like at two o'clock on Wednesday afternoons, that's when we quote unquote PLC and like PLC is almost like this verb. We PLC. That was Chad Dumas, a former music teacher and now education consultant, trainer, PLC expert, and recent author of Put the C in PLCs. And far from being another staff meeting that disconnects teachers, as you will see, a PLC should do the opposite. Chad continues to explain that a PLC is how a school functions, how teachers continuously and actively collaborate with one another to ensure student learning. PLC is, is how we go about doing our work. A PLC is guided by three principles, or overall big ideas. We are making sure that we're focused on learning, not on whether or not I taught it, but like, did the kids actually learn what we wanted them to learn? Are we clear about what we want them to learn? Are we uh, clear about how we're finding out that they've learned it? And then are we making sure that they get there? So number one, we're focused on, on learning. Number two, that we are using our results. So whatever those results are from those common formative assessments and the summative assessments that we're not just testing and then, oh, well, they didn't learn it. Okay, we're moving on to unit two. Common formative assessments are designed to assess a student's progress and understanding while they're learning. A summative assessment is used at the end of an instructional period of time. It's assessing, as the name implies, the summation of student learning. So these types of assessment help monitor a student's progress towards mastering those essential learning targets. How are the results of these assessments used in a PLC? Are they just another way to measure student learning and move on, regardless of whether or not students get it? Uh, no, that doesn't work in a professional learning community. We are using our results to improve our practice as the adults and in the efforts of, uh, towards the aim of, of improving student learning. And then the third big idea is we're working together to make it happen. So all that work is happening in a collaborative environment where I recognize that I don't have all the answers and you don't have all the answers and Susie down the hall doesn't have the answers, but together we have the likelihood of getting the answers uh, to the challenges that are confronting us when we work together. Let's do a quick rundown on those three big ideas again. 
Number one, stay focused on student learning. What is it that you want students to learn and did they learn it? Number two, use results to improve adult and student learning. And number three, work together in a collaborative environment. So, so that's what a PLC is. It's a community of people who are working together as professionals who are coming together in community to learn and, and through that learning, uh, impacting student results. Clearly, this is not another staff meeting, piece of software, or program that you can buy. A PLC is how a school functions. It's embedded into its practice and culture. But what really makes a PLC successful? And how does a school ensure that it's really going to improve learning for students? There's, there's uh, a lot of elements to what makes a PLC. Um, and just some of the top things that come to my mind is, first of all, this notion of being clear about what is a PLC, uh, that it's not a time, it's not a team, it's a way of doing business. Uh, Rick DeFore would say that clarity precedes competence. So before we can be competent in doing the work of PLCs, we need to be clear about what that work is. And so that's, that's like a really critical uh, component of making a successful PLC is that the school leader, uh, school leaders and staff are clear about what is a PLC and then they go about doing it. Before a school can become a PLC, they need to know what it is and how to do it. Fortunately, there is a tried and true process that can guide educators through PLC work. The three big questions Chad discussed earlier explain what a PLC should focus on, but then there are four critical questions that explain how to go about this at a team level. You know, I just talked about those three big ideas a second ago, but if we can go into more detail, uh, you know, there's four critical questions that drive the work of every team. And um, some people might call that inquiry, right? Teams who are inquiring into best practice with each other to meet the needs of kids. And those four questions uh, drive everything in the PLC process. It's like a PLC how-to manual with just four questions. Of course, a school can dive into PLC work any way that they want, but if they want to be successful, these questions will keep them focused. So what's question one? I kind of alluded to it earlier, but this idea that what do we want kids to know and be able to do? That's like the foundation of PLC work. So uh, successful PLCs are very clear about what kids are going to know and be able to do. It's unpacked. We are all unmistakably clear that what we want kids to know and be able to do are these things. That sets a standard and puts everyone in every team on the same page. They've all got one goal, that their students have to know these essentials. And everybody in the whole school knows what those are. That's all well and good, but learning has to be identified somehow. That leads us to question two. And then the second critical question is, how are we going to know that kids know it? So, you know, focusing on learning, we got to make sure that they learn it. You know, if I just teach it to them, doesn't necessarily mean that they learn it. Um, and so we got to find out. And so as a team, we identify tools and processes that we will use to find out that kids know what we want them to know. Maybe that's a paper pencil test. Maybe it's uh, like some response board type activities in the classroom. Maybe it's an exit ticket. Could be a variety of tools, but we are clear heading into our instruction what evidence we're going to accept that students know what we want them to know and be able to do. As with question one, clarity really seems to stand out. 
Everybody, including students, knows what their target is, and everybody also knows what reaching that target looks like. Chad outlined some ways that schools can figure this out, tools that they can use, processes that everyone agrees on, but the end result is, again, that everybody's on the same page. Think about the pressure that this can take off of educators. At first, it might be difficult to get this collaboration process started or to keep it going, but clarity means that educators can focus more on helping their students reach those standards and less on figuring out what those standards or targets are. It's already clear. It's written down. Questions three and four go together, and here is where a PLC starts thinking differently about time. And then the third and fourth critical question are about what are we going to do? So now that we know who knows it or doesn't know it, or who can do it or who can't do it, what are we going to do about it? (laughs) Just knowing it doesn't help us. Now we've got to do something about it. And that's where the critical question three is, okay, what are we going to do for the kids who don't know it or can't do it yet? And what are we going to do? The question four is, what are we going to do for those kids who already know it? These last two questions are really the action questions. These are the what are we going to do about it questions, because not all kids are going to get it the first time they learn it. The process of inquiry in a PLC can help identify why kids are or aren't getting it and how to adjust, whether that means adjusting teaching strategies or adjusting time. Uh, we're going to actually figure out new ways of teaching. And here's one of the brilliant things. Uh, I love, you know, Rick DeFore was an amazing leader and one of, he told lots of great stories. But one of the great things that I, I remember him talking about is that, you know, as educators, not a single one of us comes to work every day and says, you know what? I'm going to hold the best strategies back for this group of kids until the kids can't get it. And then I'm going to pull out of my bag the best things, Right. That's, that's not what we do. <laughs> we do. We do the best we can the first time. So if kids haven't gotten it, it's not because the teacher's holding back. It's because it didn't work. And so that's where the professional learning comes in as a community. And that's where we work together. Here's something else that can take the pressure, even the blame, off an individual educator. The process of inquiry isn't about pointing fingers at teachers for not trying hard enough. Teachers aren't purposely holding things back from kids. But a PLC can help identify what worked and what didn't. And even if teaching strategies are working, students are still going to learn at different rates. The essential targets are the same, but not every student is going to hit the target at the same time. That's where then we have to adjust time. Some kids might need more time. Uh, We might need to adjust the schedule so that um, different teachers can take different kids because we've got different strategies and approaches to teaching. This is why a PLC is described as an ongoing process Educators are continuously making adjustments, whatever that may look like, so that students can meet those essential standards. We've talked about a lot here, so what if how to be a successful PLC could be summed up in one sentence? Although there's a lot to it, Chad identifies some of the things he thinks are important. Some things that make for a successful PLC, um, clarity precedes competence, and then a real um, deliberate focused drive on those four critical questions each and every day. Now that we've explored what a PLC really is and what makes it successful, let's drill down even further. At its core, what is the driving purpose of a PLC? Yeah, the driving purpose of a PLC is student learning. Uh, That's what we're about. That's what schools are about. Okay, so that's clear enough. But why then the focus on professional learning? Well, that's because while the purpose might be student learning, the way we get there 
is by improving our practice as the adults. So the work that educators do to improve how they look at student learning, how they respond, really the work that they put into all of those four critical questions makes them more effective. Essentially, their learning leads to the desired outcome of student learning. So in the end, what do students get out of all of this? How does a PLC affect students in their learning? It, it should affect them in every aspect of their day, right? Um, and so a number of things come to my mind. Um, first of all, when the teacher is clear about what the target is, you know, that first critical question, what do we want kids to know and be able to do? When the teacher is clear about it, then the teacher can and should communicate that target with students so that students know what the target is. Think about this for a moment. It's not just filling out a worksheet or memorizing stuff for a test. When an educator defines a learning target, students know what they're reaching for. They have a clear set of expectations. So, so that's one aspect that impacts students. So kids become aware of what the target is. I've seen classrooms uh, and schools where at the beginning of the year, um, instead of handing out a syllabus that says, um, you know, here's how much point, how many points you're going to get for different assignments and due dates. Uh, instead of that, it has a listing of here's the targets. Here's what you're going to learn. That would be a lot more motivating than focusing on accumulating a number of points. And if it seems like all of this PLC work, even though it starts with professional learning, would transform the student learning experience, that's because it will. You know, it changes. When we act as a professional learning community, actually everything changes. Uh, so teachers become clearer. Students become clearer. The assessments are aligned to those targets. And so when students are assessed, it's not a surprise. Now let's get a little more into that time aspect. A PLC impacts how time is used during the school day because the focus, again, the driving purpose, is student learning. So that is going to drive everything else that happens in the school. Learning should be the constant, and time is a variable. And in schools, the traditional schooling, it's the other way around. Time is the constant. Uh, 8.30, we arrive. 3.30, we go home. August 15th, we arrive. May 31st, we go home. Um, right? These are like the times. You've got 45 minutes a day for this subject and 60 minutes a day for that subject, or if you're on the block schedule or whatever. The time is the constant. And then the learning is the variable. Like whether or not you learn it really doesn't matter because we're just filling the time and we're you know, moving you as a student across this conveyor belt until you graduate. Uh, hopefully, at the end of 13 years in school. This is what most schools have looked like for decades. It is a schedule driven by time, and this is reflected in every aspect of the school day. But it doesn't have to be this way, and if your school wants to become a PLC, you can expect this to change. So that's like the old model. When schools behave as professional learning communities, they say, wait a second, learning is the constant, and time is a variable, and so we adjust time based on student learning. Uh, I had a, a good um, superintendent friend of mine who would regularly say that um, any student given enough time will master the content of whatever it is we're, we're after. And so some take less time, some take more time. For schools that realize this, the next question is, what do you do? How do you shift time during the day so that each kid gets the time they need to master content? 
And in this process, why is it so important for a school to function as a PLC? When a a school is functioning as a PLC, uh, because they're clear about the targets and because they're clear about time being the variable, then they make the schedule the master of learning as opposed to the other way around. And so they're able to think about flexing time to be able to add time for interventions, to be able to add time for enrichment as well, not just interventions, but also enrichment. Um, Making sure that social emotional learning is a critical element of student learning, that it's not just an add on, but it's part of who we are and what we do. Um, so, so when we are functioning as a PLC, uh, no, not only are we clear about those four critical questions, but we're also working together and accessing each other's expertise. A driven focus on student learning and increased collaboration can make teaching even more rewarding. But now, let's talk results. That's what a PLC wants, right? Evidence that their work is impacting and improving student learning. Chad shares results from how he's seen the PLC process impact schools for good. Yeah, the results that I've seen are both qualitative and quantitative. Um, you know, many times people point to quantitative results, the actual uh, student test scores, if you will. Um, there's really incontrovertible evidence that when schools function as PLC, student performance increases. Uh, and if your student, perfor- if you think that you're doing PLCs and your student performance isn't increasing, maybe you should look back at your processes and see, are we really doing the work of PLCs? Uh, or maybe we're doing um, <laughs> what would be, might be called PLC light, or uh, sometimes people call it co-blaboration instead of collaboration, right? <laughs> so uh, so if, you're, if you're doing PLC work right, you will see increases in student performance. This could be evidenced in test results, benchmarks, and other similar performance measurements. But It's more than that. It also affects the quality of teaching, the school culture, and environment. Clearly, a PLC is far more than just another acronym or another staff meeting that needlessly eats up teachers' time. Rather, a school works to actually become a PLC, become an environment that is constantly collaborating and focusing on the why and how and what of student learning. Let's let Chad close out with some words about the qualitative impact of a PLC. To me, as important as those quantitative results are, the qualitative results are also equally impressive. And that is uh, a sense of we-ness, if you will. Like, we are a team. We are working together to impact student learning, which means that um, things like um, so-called morale increases because I know that I'm having an impact and my impact is connected to each other. That's it for this week's episode of Reimagining Time. This podcast is brought to you by Enriching Students, a tool that helps teachers give students what they really need, time. Our intro track, Rough Cut, is by the artist Tripwire, and we want to say thank you to all of the educators who shared their ideas and stories with us. Look for new episodes every two weeks on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and more. Thank you for listening.